I invite you to turn to John chapter 10. In the bulletin, we have printed verses 7 through 10, but since then I've decided, uh, since I gave the text to Terry and she printed the bulletins, I've decided that we need to start in verse 1 to, to really back up and get momentum into these verses. So I will start reading at verse 1 this morning, so I do invite you, if you do have a Bible, to turn so you can follow along in John chapter 10, verse 1. But I'll also draw your attention once we get to the verses that are in the bulletin, because that will be the focus text this morning. John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now verse 7, which you have in your bulletin. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for the good shepherd that came, that we may have life and have it abundantly. Thank you that you have taken such good care of your people, that you have called your sheep into your flock, that you have made us to know your voice. We thank you for this, and I pray now that you would bless us as we spend this time thinking about your word, as we spend this time hearing your word preached, I pray that you would bless me, protect the words of my mouth, that they would not stray from the truth of your words, but preach to us what we need to hear by your spirit. In Christ I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. Just a moment ago, we sang a hymn, God Moves in, mysterious way, in a Mysterious Way. And the last verse of that hymn is probably the best introduction I could give to this text. Blind belief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. I want to read that verse one more time because it is a very good introduction to what Jesus is saying. Blind belief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. But God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. That is precisely what Jesus is doing in this text. In chapter 9, we have the setting of, of what Jesus is doing in chapter 9. In chapter 9, Jesus has healed a blind man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees already upset with Jesus for many, many things. One of the things they were upset, upset with him is healing people on the Sabbath, but also making very bold claims. And we're going to see that Jesus is making a very bold claim this morning. So Jesus has healed this man in, on the Sabbath. 
the man is seen by the people seeing now, and there's a lot of confusion, and people are split over this issue. Jesus is very divisive. The work of Jesus has brought division since, since the beginning. And Jesus heals this man. People don't even believe that this is the same man. They can't believe that a man has received his sight. And so there's, there's division. Is this just a guy that looks like the blind man, or is this the same man? His family's even examined. His family's asked, is this really your son? What has happened? And his family is very slow to give answers because the Pharisees have been persecuting those who claim Jesus. If you're proclaiming Jesus, you're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. And so the, the parents are very careful with the words that they use. And so now the man is interviewed, and the man is asked, so what happened? And, and he tells them what happened, and they continue to ask him questions. And then he says, what, do you want to be Jesus' disciples also? Which infuriates them when it, and they say, no, we are the disciples of Moses, not of Jesus. And we'll come back to that later, that statement. And so he has basically enraged these people by proclaiming Christ, and he gets kicked out of the synagogue. And so Jesus, hearing what has happened to this man, Jesus, who has already healed the man of his physical blindness, now seeks this man out as he has been cast out from the people of God. And he seeks this man out, and he tells him who he is. He tells him who the Son of Man is. He preaches to this man, and he really makes this man a disciple of Christ. Now he has healed the man spiritually. And the Pharisees hear him talking to the man and how he has come to make the blind see and those who see are being exposed as being blind by Jesus. And the Pharisees take offense at what he is saying. And Jesus says, they say to Jesus, are we blind too? And Jesus says, you're not blind because you see what's happening and you still deny it. Your guilt is upon you because you do see but you choose to be blind. And that is what this verse of the song is talking about. Blind belief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. They see the work of Jesus. They scan his work in vain. They miss the Messiah. The book of John, John gives us the purpose of the book of John in chapter 20. He says that you may know that Jesus is the Messiah and that you may have life in him. The Pharisees see the signs that Jesus does and they are offended by them. They don't see that he is the Messiah. And so he gives them the first illustration that we read this morning in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 10. And he says that, I Truly, truly, I say to you that he who does not enter by the sheepfold, the sheepfold by the door are thieves and robbers. And what they don't hear is that they have missed the door. What they don't hear is that they are coming in through other means and that they are thieves and robbers, that they are hurting the people of God. And so after they miss the first illustration he gives them, he gives them a second illustration. It's very similar, but it's different than the first. Um, it's likely that he's talking about two different types of sheepfolds in these two illustrations. The first one would be a more established, maybe within a city where you had multiple flocks of sheep even in, in this pen, and you had a gatekeeper, and then the shepherd would come in, the gatekeeper would recognize the shepherd, the shepherd would call a sheep, and his sheep would know his voice, and they would come out with him. The second metaphor he gives, which is the one we're going to focus on today, this is probably more of a rural uh, sheep pen, which would be piles of stones, basically, well, stone wall, 
that creates a pen for the sheep. And that stone wall would have a small opening. It doesn't actually have a gate. It just has an opening. And so when Jesus says, I am the door or I am the gate, depending on your translation, what he is saying is, I am that shepherd that stands in the opening of the sheep pen. Because that's how these old sheep pens functioned. The, the shepherd would actually lay in the opening at night to keep intruders out and to keep his sheep in. And so that's the illustration that Jesus is giving when he says, I am the door. Don't picture this door on the hinge over here. It's, it's a little different. He's saying, I am the shepherd, and you've got to come through me. I am the door. So this building has three doors, right? The sheep pen had one door, one small opening, and that shepherd filled that opening. And we understand somewhat what a door means. So when he says, I am the door, at least on a surface level, we get that doors give us access, right? When we came in, we all came in through the door this morning. Nobody crawled in through the window. We all came in through the door because we, we were supposed to be here. And we were invited to come in the, to the door. The door is unlocked, and we came in. So doors allow access. But we also lock the door when we leave. Doors also keep out thieves and robbers. And if you've ever been on a long journey home, a door can be a beautiful sight because you long to be inside your home and you just want to go into the door. So a door can be a beautiful thing. So don't, don't see this as a lifeless illustration. This is a life-giving illustration. But also, a door can be a terrible sight. When you get to the door and it's cold outside and you don't have your keys, a door can be a terrible sight as well. Entrance through the door matters. And so the door that Jesus is talking about is him. He is the shepherd door there. So Christ's proclamation is the first thing we want to look at this morning. He says, I am the door. And we're going to look at both parts of that. He says, I am the door. He is the great I am. So when he says, I am the door, he's not just simply saying, I am the door. This is one of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. And when he says this, he's identifying himself with the great I am. Who is the great I am? I've heard David Hopkins call him the eternal being one many times. Maybe you've heard that when David's preached. He says Yahweh, that name Yahweh, our covenant Lord, is the eternal being one. He is the one who always was, and he is, and he always will be. When Moses asked, who shall I say sent me? He says, tell them I am sends you. And Jesus uses this phrase, I am, over and over again in the book of John. And it's not a coincidence. At the end of chapter 10, the, the Jews are ready to stone him for claiming to be God. He is claiming to be God when he says, I am. It's a very exclusive claim. And it, it continues to be a very exclusive claim because he says, I am the door. So no one goes to the Father except through him. It's a very exclusive claim, a very offensive claim to the Jews on so many levels. And it's a very offensive claim in our day, too. It's very offensive. This world is intolerant to claims that are exclusive like that. But Jesus is very bold in his speaking. And so he says, I am the door. I am the door that allows access for sinners to come to a holy God. I am the door that provides protection from thieves and robbers. And he was pointing the finger at the Pharisees, who are thieves and robbers of the people. And Jesus is, is the door. 
That means you've got to go through Jesus. That means there's no other way but through Jesus. So that applies to the sheep, right? The only way they can get into the sheep pen is through Jesus. And so that is a good news for us because he offers an invitation to come through the door. It's also good news for us because the wolves have to go through the door too, and the shepherd won't let the wolf come through the door. So that's who the door is, but who's the door not? Jesus is the door. Your good deeds are not the door. That's also good news because our good deeds are not very good. But your good deeds are not the door, and you have to remember that, that we trust in Jesus. This is a fundamental principle of the gospel. No other religious leader is the door. There is no one else who offers admittance to the Father. No one else who allows you into the kingdom, into the flock. Baptism is not the door. As good as baptism is, we should baptize people. But it is not the door. It is not what grants you entrance into the kingdom. A lifetime of attending church is a good thing. But it is not the door. Jesus alone is the door. And that is what he is telling the Pharisees who have missed the door. They have tripped over the door. The door has been a stumbling block of offense to them. The door to them is more like, those, like a really clean glass door. Have you ever run into a glass door or seen somebody run into a glass door? They didn't even know it was there. The door was right in front of them the whole time, and they did not know he was there. But only Jesus, who lays down his life for the sheep, which you would see in chapter 10, only Jesus, whose voice is known by the sheep, he is the door. And how is he unlike the robber? He does not sneak in. There's no deceit in the Lord. He's the one who all of the scripture has prophesied about. He is the one who has always been the Lord's plan. He is the one who offers peace and security to the sheep. The Pharisees were robbing the people of their peace and security. The Pharisees were abusing the people who were taking the door. In Matthew 23, verse 15, Jesus harshly tells the Pharisees, you work so hard to make your disciples, and once you do, you've made them twice the child of hell that you are. Those are strong words from Christ. But the shepherds of Israel have for a long time had these sorts of charges laid against them. In Jeremiah and in Ezekiel, you can read about the shepherds of Israel making themselves fat off of the sheep. What is that imagery? They're being called wolves. They're being called the thieves and robbers that Jesus is calling them. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God, which we saw in the text that we just read. And in verse 16, I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. This is bad news for the Pharisees who are denying Christ. This is bad news for the Pharisees who are serving themselves and not the sheep. But it is good news for the sheep. The shepherds of Israel have for a long time gotten fat off of the sheep and were not feeding them properly. And so the Lord says, I 
will become the shepherd for the sheep. I will do it. And that is what Jesus is claiming. When he says, I am the door, he is saying, I am that shepherd laying down there for the sheep. So that's Christ's proclamation. Well, who are Christ's opposition? They are those false shepherds that we read about in Ezekiel. In John 10, 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And then John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then back to Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34, 10, no longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. So these men, they do not use the door. They do not come in through Christ. They declare themselves disciples of Moses in chapter 9. Very clearly, they are not using the door. So what does that mean? They are the thieves and the robbers who are climbing in over the walls, climbing in through a window. These men are a danger to the sheep. They are self-serving. They are deaf to the words of Christ. The ears of the lost are deaf. We know that. We know that from our own personal experience. My ears were deaf to the gospel for a long time before I heard the voice of the Savior, before he called me into his flock, before I could hear his voice properly. I was deaf. And you, you also know this from personal experience. If you ever talk to someone who's not a believer about the gospel, you can see their deafness. You can talk about such serious and beautiful good news as the gospel and the next word out of their mouth may be so what do you want to have for lunch they don't care about the gospel they're deaf to the gospel and the gospel not only is something that kind of goes over the head of the lost but it's also offensive to the lost it was offensive to the pharisees and it's offensive now so Christ's opposition is offended by his words, by his claims, his exclusive claims that I am the door. And this world is certainly offended by that proclamation. That's considered closed-minded. That's considered bigoted. Now, this, this room's not a good example. There, I can count. I've lost count of doors. There's a lot of doors in this room. But imagine this room only had that door right over there and someone wanted to come to church, and I said, well, you've got to come through the door that's across from St. Stephen's because it's the only way into the building. That would not be intolerant. That would not be bigoted. That would just be intelligent. I'm telling them to come in through the one way that you can come in. That's not hateful. That's not harmful. That's loving. I'm trying to help them get into the building. But the world doesn't see it that way. The world is blind to this. The world thinks that there are all of these doors. But the truth is, there is only one door. That's not bigoted. That's just the truth. But it's offensive to the world. So Christ's teaching is often rebranded. People rebrand Jesus as just a good teacher. And they don't take him for all of his words. They want to take pieces and parts. But right here, he says, I am the door. And we can't ignore that. Churches that just give motivational talks on Sunday are not preaching Christ. That is not going through the door. That's what the thieves and the robbers do. That is climbing over the wall. But if he is the way, the truth, and the life, 
This world is in desperate need of him. And so if we do speak words that offend the world, we offend them in love. Because no one comes to the Father except through him. If I love the world, I'm going to preach that message. That's the message that should be on our lips. He is the door. He is the only door. And Christ's opponents resisted him violently. At the end of chapter 10, they pick up stones. They're ready to stone him. They still do. The world is still violent against Christ. But his opponents don't know him the way that his sheep do. He's already told us the sheep respond to his voice. The gospel, when it is preached to the believer's ear, how sweet the sound of the gospel to the believer's ear. We hear the sacrifice of Christ. We see the gift of Christ. We see our need for Christ. The sheep know the difference, and the sheep love the gospel. And the sheep know the difference, and so when the gospel is not preached, they recognize it. And Christ has been abandoned in so many churches for that alternative, less offensive message. And many of you have experienced this. Many of you have been in churches, have been members of churches where the gospel was no longer preached. And people decided to go with a less offensive alternative to the gospel. And many of you have left churches because of this, because you were listening for the shepherd's voice. You were listening for the voice of Christ, and you were not hearing it. You were hearing a stranger's voice, and so you left. Preaching that climbs over the wall to avoid Christ is going to kill. It's going to steal. It's going to destroy. It leaves men lost and going to hell. It robs God of his glory, and it destroys so many of Christ's churches. The ears of the lost are deaf to the voice of the shepherd, but the ears of the saints are sensitive to the voice of their Savior, and they are not fooled by the wolves. And he calls his sheep, and his sheep come, because they know that Jesus is the way to peace and security. Which brings us to the last point we want to look at, which is Christ's salvation. Those who enter by Christ get the door to justification. They get the door to sanctification. They get the door to glorification. What I mean by that is that the door to sanctification, that's a new standing before God. If you enter through Christ, you have a new status before God. You were guilty, and now you are not. The door to sanctification, that is the ongoing work of Christ in your life. Christ is the door to being made holy even on this earth as he works in your life and refines you through your life. And the door to glorification, that sweet deliverance from the body of this death, from this fallen world in eternity. He is the door to the new heaven and the new earth. And as the door, Jesus has put himself between us, his people, and harm he is our shelter. He is our security. We can trust him for that. And we praise him that he is the door. Like we said earlier, the door has multiple functions. One is to let you in, but the other is to protect you. We lock our doors. He brings us security, and he brings us peace. And he puts peace within our souls that death would no longer loom over us. Think about the imagery that he gives us. In verse 
9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out, and he will find pasture. I immediately think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That image of the shepherd as our door is very similar to that image of his rod and staff. His rod and staff have multiple functions. He's pulling his sheep to him. He's also keeping away the, the wolves. That's what he's doing as the door. He does the same thing. And it says that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he brings me to water to drink. He gives us the same imagery in John 10, verse 9, where they go in and they come out. If you think about that sheep pen, if they were stuck in just that sheep pen, they would not flourish. They would have no food. Think about free-range chickens, right? If you buy your eggs that are come from a free-range chicken, they're more expensive because that chicken was able to go out, eat, and live a little bit and not be in a box its entire life. He, he lets us in and out. We are free-range sheep, okay? That's a good thing. That's a picture of health and flourishing. It's also a picture of that peace and security. Remember a few years ago when we were locked down and you weren't able to go in and out? You weren't able to go freely like you were used to? I don't know what it was like in Oregon. I imagine that I was in Mississippi at the time, but I imagine it was similar where unless you were deemed essential for a period of time, you needed to stay home. Unless you had documentation that said you were essential where I lived, you could not come and go. I was essential because I worked at a school. Um, it seemed kind of arbitrary what was essential and what's not. But so that's, that's our version of knowing being able to come in and go freely. When all of a sudden that was taken from us, as Americans, that hurt. We're, we're free. Like, what is this? But in the ancient world, you lived in walled cities. And you were thankful for the walls because intruders might come. And if you could not go in and out, that probably meant there was war or you, weren't, you just weren't welcome in the town. But if you could go in and out, that meant times were good. This is a picture of peace and security. In Christ, times are good if you are in Christ. You have that peace and security. And that picture of that, of that is, is a beautiful thing that we might miss because we are so blessed to be able to go in and out in our lives. We understand freedom in a, in a way that maybe Jesus' audience didn't quite take for granted. We have a great freedom in Christ. And we flourish under his care. He takes us in and out to graze. Uh, many of you have pets, and you take those pets out every day if they're, if they're cooped up in your house because you want it to be healthy, and you take care of it. You're seeing to its needs. I watch people every day walk, walk on the sidewalk in front of our house, and sometimes multiple days, and they'll go extra miles with those pets so that they will flourish. And that's the picture here that we have. Christ is being a good shepherd to his sheep, and he takes them in and out just like you would your pet so that it will be healthy. He wants his people to be healthy, to flourish, and he does that for us. This picture that is so offensive to many is a comforting picture 
of the Savior who is taking care of his sheep. The I am has come to care for his sheep. That is Jesus' message. And that's why it is so offensive, because he has told them, I am the I am. To the Pharisees, this was blasphemous. To us, hopefully you hear that as good news. The I am has come to shepherd his sheep. The promised Lord coming to shepherd his sheep has happened. It's a, it's a bold claim, and it's an offensive claim. And in this world, you're going to be presented with many doors that are not Christ. The typical ones are religion, the door of religion. Just believe something. How many times have you heard that? Just believe something and you'll be okay. That is not what the Bible teaches. Or the door of moralism. Just be a good person. How many times have you heard that one? The door of tolerance. Just let everyone do their own thing. And then there are some who claim the name of Christ who can't seem to find the door. Christ is the door. His work on your behalf is the door. So what is our challenge? If you've found the door, if, if you have come to Christ, what is the challenge for us? Well, Jesus' words are bold. Would we be so bold as Christ to make the same assertion? that he is the door. If you already believe that, will we be consistent in our life when we encounter these claims that are not true? If we believe what we say we believe, we would not be ashamed to make those claims. There was a song that I remember hearing years ago. The name of the song was Vegas. Um, The man's name was Caleb Carruth that wrote the song. And the song is set in Vegas. He meets this woman who's clearly lost, and he's convicted to share the gospel with this woman. And he reasons with himself the entire time he's sitting there with, well, this make her comfortable. Um, And then he also tries to even use the doctrine of election. Well, if the Lord's going to save her, he's going to save her. He doesn't need me. And so after this exchange where he's failed to share the gospel, he's convicted about it. And he writes this song called Vegas about, about the encounter. And one of the lines of the song that came to my mind as I was preparing for this morning was, was this line right here. In practice, I'm preaching, it's better not to offend than to change a life. Oh, forgive me. I've sentenced you to die. So when he says, oh, forgive me, I've sentenced you to die, he's essentially done what these thieves and robbers were doing. He's essentially done what the shepherds of Israel were doing. They were sentencing people to die by leaving them in their sin. In practice, I'm preaching it's better not to offend. But if we believe what we say we believe, we'll not be ashamed to make these type of exclusive claims. That's why Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Jesus is the one entryway for the sheep to come into the fold. And faith in Jesus is the only way to enter God's salvation. And those who enter are safe for eternity. Would we be so bold as to believe and even speak that he is the door, that he is God in the form of a man, 
come to be the way, the truth, and the life. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have, you have shown up in a way which amazed us. You have shown up in a way which caused so much disbelief even 2,000 years ago. And it's hard for the world to believe now. I pray that you would help us to believe in Christ as the door, as the Lord who came to be the door. Help us to be bold in our faith and help us to find peace and security and rest in this truth. In Christ we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.